It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey player. I idolized Dominic Kaczyk. I played goalie because of Dominic Kaczyk. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as the team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry. I'll hang up and listen. I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off-limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Two Goalies, One Mike. I'm Johnny Cullen, joined always by Dwayne Steinell. And we are so lucky to have for episode 43, part two, Chris Peters, currently with ESPN. Um, he's worked with, with um, CBS, with USA Hockey, somebody as, uh, you know, an aspiring journalist, somebody I followed for a really long time and really looked up to, um, you know, really in the know, has some awesome, awesome insight in, into not only what's going on with the World Juniors, but with the NHL and the prospect systems. Please check out his work. Like I said, he's currently at ESPN. Um, some really great articles there in the past couple weeks. Uh, if you're interested in, in checking out where the Sabres sit with their prospect pool, um, Chris Peters, thank you for being here, brother. Hey, it's awesome to be here. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, thanks again. Uh, thanks again, Chris. I know I got that late, late night DM last night from you. <laughs> uh, I was honestly, I was, I, I was in and out of sleep, man, trying to stay up for that USA because I, you know, I, I work grueling hours at work, especially on Saturdays, and uh, it's a very physically intense job. And I was just kind of doing the head bob during the game sometimes. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then I woke up the one time I woke up and I looked down on my side, you know, Chris. Chris Peters, you know, sent me a uh, DM or replied and I'm like, Oh hell yeah, here we go. And then so yeah, I could do tomorrow. And I'm like, well, we got Dave Starman tomorrow. So I guess we're doing two episodes. Let's go. <laughs> I found well, out Chris, I fist pumped and celebrated <laughs> in my car. When a Dwayne told me I was pumped. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't get back to you sooner. I was just oh, like, it's fine. It's these days are fine. like a whirlwind. Especially for me. right yeah, now, so. especially now with the world yeah. tournament going on. It, it, Dave even said it himself. It, it's been a whirlwind for them. For yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And it, you know, though I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, every year, I mean, obviously I would, the only other way I would have it is if I was at the tournament, which I usually would be. And, and, and to not be there is unfortunate, but I'm, I'm able to, you know, kind of relax and watch the games and, and, and step away from them a little bit. And it's been good. I think it's actually helped me watch the games better. So yes, but it's, 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 uh, it's such a fun time of year. So yeah, I'm happy to do it. And, you know, today we get a nice off day, uh, you know, before the semis and the gold medal. Yeah, yeah, I have to regroup. I don't know about the players. The players are probably fine, but I have to regroup. So. Well, I wanted to ask you, you, uh, mentioned, yeah. you mentioned that you're usually at World Juniors, and I know that provides, um, you know, extra access. And, and, and there's something to be said about being able to watch a game live. And, and that's part of the reason why me and Dwayne love the World Juniors so much, especially, you know, when, they, when they're held in cities where they really pack the barn. There's nothing else like it. And, and it's best on best at the U20 level. Um, you mentioned how it's different this year, and it's different for everybody. But as a sports journalist, as somebody covering the tournament, you know, there's got to be some positives to it. Like you said, the ability to, to watch it, you know, from home on TV. What advantages does that present when, when writing pieces on it and covering it? And what disadvantages? Yeah, well, the nice thing is, is getting a lot more replays than we would normally get in a live game. I mean, it's like if you miss it and then you miss that first replay, you're, you're wondering what the heck happened. So you really have to keep your, your head up and, and try to watch the game as much like a scout as you can, um, even though it's a little different because you're also trying to like work social media and all this other stuff during the course of a game. But it's a lot easier to do that, you know, obviously in at home. I can go back to rewind stuff and everything and, and, and figure out what I missed. So those are advantages. 
I mean, like in terms of disadvantages, though, I mean, you know, we don't get to pick who we interview at the end of the game. You know, it's basically whatever two players are provided to us and the head coach. That's all we get. You know, so if it was a player that had a particularly what's that? Picks them. Uh, I believe the federations do or maybe the double IHF says here are the players that we're going to need to have because I haven't I haven't made any requests, uh, you know, that. You know, and some of them will like uh, accommodate one-on-one interviews, but usually not on a game night. So, you know, you're trying to catch up and uh, we used to have, you know, practices, you go to the practice and then you have an availability after the practice, you can get pretty much whoever you wanted. And that helps a lot because it just, you got to get a sense of what the team is like. You can't talk to the same, you know, we're not getting the same players every time after games, which is good. Um, And we do in, in USA hockey and hockey Canada, they've all provided multiple media availabilities which has been good but it's really hard to do decent interviews on in a zoom setting it's a lot easier to do it face to face and just kind of get a feel for the player yeah um and you know you know making sure you're getting your questions in and everything like that but i haven't had too many issues i mean like it it, it works and i don't you know i'm not a beat writer so i'm not writing game stories so it's not like vital to me that that i have quotes after a game but i'm usually asking the questions like Hey, you know, what, what, what is, uh, you know, what are some of the things that you do, you've done to improve over the course of the tournament? How are you, you know, how are you managing this, that, and the other thing? And uh, those aren't always necessarily the questions you want to ask in a post-game setting. They're usually more of those, those practice day questions. And so if you don't get the right guy, you know, you don't get to ask him. So I've, I've, I've tried to keep it pretty simple. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's been good to be, be home. And obviously I just, you know, miss the, the experience of being there and, and, and not having fans and all those other things all, all make an impact as well. Well answered. And I think we're all with you on that last one. I, I love the atmosphere. Sorry. Go ahead, Dwayne. No, um, you pretty much just said it right there for me, Kali. Uh, I, okay. you know, you pretty much answered the question for me. So I wanted to, so we just talked, uh, we just interviewed Dave Starman. I, I know you guys, he's a friend of yours. Uh, you know, you guys have crossed paths. Um, and there's a couple things I wanted to get into you while we had you, Chris. I know we don't have you for a ton of time. Uh, between the World Juniors, um, you know, the Sabres pipeline, and kind of just a, a brief preview on, on the season to come. Um, so maybe we'll start with the World Juniors. Is that okay with you, Dwayne? That's fine with me, man. That's that was yeah. So as we get into <laughs> it, um, you know, obviously this will probably drop tomorrow before the the semifinals. Uh, I think we've been in for a treat. Um, you know, certain people were calling out. I don't know if, 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 if this year was any different than usual, kind of the lopsided scores, but I think you see certain in every group, no matter how they're split up, you know, the Austrias, the Denmarks of the world are, are not going to play Canada, USA, Russia, Sweden to, to close games all the time. I love it because, you know, just seeing these, these countries play, um, whether it was um, Rossi on, um, on Austria, really do a lot of good things. But you look at Germany, and, and Stutzel's just been for. We talked a little bit about him prior to the draft, Chris, and, and um, you know, hoping the Sabers would get him, but obviously didn't think he'd fall that far. But JJ Paterka really has stepped up and, and had a great tournament. For me, I know he he ended the tournament, um, you know, the round robin with a big three goal, two assist performance, I believe, which was impressive. But for me, it was the game before that. Um, I think it was the overtime assist he had. Um, I, I believe that was against the Czechs or Slovaks. Slovaks, you know, yeah. Yeah, Slovaks. And for me, that was just a really fun overtime period. He was on the ice for about a minute, 45 seconds before that, uh, was able to, to draw the his, his weak side defender into him and dish it back to the top for a shot through traffic. Um, what have you thought about J.J. Paterka and, and Germany and, and obviously them making the quarterfinals for the first time? I, th- I thought that J.J. looked like a first rounder. You know, he's a second round pick, but he looked like a first rounder in this tournament. And and he did it stretches last season, too. And, I, you know, I, he was right on the cusp for me. Um, you know, he, he but but this was him probably playing some of the best hockey that I've personally seen him play. I think he's a little bit more explosive in terms of his skating stride. I think that he's he was able to beat defenders wide a lot more easily. I thought that his instincts were good. You mentioned that pass. I mean, I think that he was he's he had such a shooter's mentality. But in this tournament, it was take what's take what's given to you and try to make plays. And he made a lot of plays. You know, he made some great, uh, you know, kind of feeds to, to Stutzla as well. And, and, and those two guys working together in tandem were just outstanding. Now, I think Stutzel is obviously the better driver of play. He's going to be the guy that has the puck on his stick. But, but I think Paterka showed at stretches of, in that tournament that he can do that. He can do that when you need him to. And, and that was something that I wasn't necessarily um, going to see. I didn't think I would see in this tournament. So I, I thought that 
that JJ was, was outstanding. I thought that he looked better this year than at any point I saw him last year. So he's taken advantage of, of the extra time to get stronger. Uh, that's another thing that I, I mean, he's always been pretty physically strong. He's been playing against men. So he, he has to be. And um, I, th- I thought that he took a huge leap as a prospect over the last year. And, and I was really excited to see the way that he was able to dictate things at this level, even against teams like Canada and Finland, you know, he was, he was every bit as good. You know, I always look at those smaller countries, like can these guys play on any team in this tournament? And I think JJ Paterka proved that he can. Bang on. Well said. And, and, and leading into that, like you said, he, he was very strong on his skates. When, and compared to a guy like Stutzel, who, who's just an absolute monster, his balance, his ability to use not only his skill, but his power forward range, I thought there'd be a bigger gap. And Paterka really, you know, for a team that didn't have a ton of depth, whether it was because of the, you know, the COVID cases they had coming in, you know, he obviously was going to play a big role regardless, but I think he stepped in, even stepped up even more, which was awesome to see. And for a Sabres organization, Chris, honestly, that, has really missed on a lot of picks outside the first round. And even some of the first round picks, that's been our Achilles heel. You, you need to hit on some of your second, third, fourth round picks. You're not going to hit on all of them, but you need to have some. And the Sabres really haven't. Um, so when you look at that, that's really, you know, positive, positive, you know, trend for us. We're hoping that could continue. The other two I was going to ask you about transitioning the USA, me and Dwayne oh, were I talking about John, Ryan Johnson and um, who's the other one? Samuelson. I've been really impressed with Johnson. And I think for me, and nothing against Samuelson, but for me, it's we're seeing the trend of defensemen that are are taking over to taking the league by storm. The Cal McCars, the Quinn Hughes, I'll even throw Darlene and Heiskanen in there. Um, and Ryan Johnson, his skating is elite. I think we're seeing him take a step forward with his offensive play. Uh, a great, uh, great job jumping on the offensive zone win for his only goal of the tournament and a well-placed shot against a good Sweden goalie. I haven't seen a ton of Samuelson. I know he's running the second power play. What are your thoughts there for the Sabres? Can either of these guys make a, a big jump forward? I know they're both college guys, uh, but you know what can we expect from them? You know, not only finishing out the tournament, but going forward into their their pro and college career. Yeah, well, I think for Johnson in particular, you know, he's he's kind of established himself uh, more as the tournament has gone on. I think the, the biggest thing that stands out to me from what I've watched from him over the last couple of years and into this year with Team USA is that he is uh, he is essentially, um, uh, you know, has more in his offensive toolkit than he had before. I think one of the biggest concerns I had in his draft year, and I didn't think he was a first round caliber prospect when the Sabres took him, um, but I think that he's he's growing into one now. Um, but but he did not have a lot in in when he had the puck on his stick, there wasn't a lot of different things he could do with it. He was probably going to pass it and he probably was going to pass it as fast as he could. No, it wasn't. It wasn't like, I'm going to hold on to it, make a play. He could escape his own zone pretty well. But once he got out of there, he wanted to get rid of the puck. And and I thought that that contributed to a lot of mistakes and just things that, you know, he didn't have as much in his toolkit in this tournament. We're seeing him make plays, extending plays with his feet, extending plays with the, you know, protecting the puck with his body, using deception to create space. And those are the things that I did not see from him in his draft year. Started to see a little bit more last year, but I didn't even think he had a great freshman season. You know, I thought that at times Jackson Lacombe, who's not played very much for the U.S., outplayed him in games as a freshman last year, especially as I ended up seeing a lot. Yeah, exactly. So now he's – but now we're seeing he is making more plays in the offensive zone. He's making more plays in the neutral zone, and he still has that elite skating ability – smart defensive play. He can play physical. He kind of plays whatever way you need him to. I thought now when he's been good. And then um, I think you're referring to Matias Samuelson, who was on last year's team um, and the second one for the Sabres prospects. But he, he, you know, I think he's, he's going to, he's got to take a step this year. I think this is, you know, it's going to be his first year. pro. He's going to have to take his, yeah, he's going to have to take a step. I thought that, you know, last year at the world juniors, he was only okay. And then, you know, I thought over the course of the season, he got, he was good at Western Michigan, but now he's going to be challenged at the professional game. I, but I am, he is so smart, so strong, so physical. I think he can make all those plays. And I think that he's going to uh, be able to find a way in the Sabres organization to eventually make the NHL roster. I don't think he's going to be a high, you know, I don't, don't know if he's going to be a top four defenseman. I thought he was a first round caliber guy in his draft year. And I thought it was a steal to get him in the second round. 
Last year, I thought it took a little bit of a step back. I'm looking forward to see what he does going forward, but he's he's an exciting guy for me. Yeah, going go and going back to both Paterka and Johnson too. I remember, uh, you know, the Sabers did their whole little embedded uh, video series here, and one of the things that Kevin Adams said was, "A, he was extremely surprised CJJ Paterka still available in the second round." Um, and I think, I think we're seeing that right now as, you know, we're all questioning like, how did this guy fall to the second round? Because he's just, you know, I don't want to, you know, out, you know, really, he's really polarizing on an underdog German team, uh, especially with, you know, the, the, the obstacles they face to start this tournament with the COVID cases. And then you have Ryan Johnson, who is the final piece, you know, the, the deciding piece, according to some media people here in Buffalo of the Ryan O'Reilly trade, which, you know, I'm sorry, they're, they're, it's done. It's over with Buffalo lost that trade overwhelmingly. <laughs> like, yeah. There's oh, no yeah. questioning that anymore. It was, and I I've said this multiple times on this podcast that that'll go down in my opinion, as one of the worst trades at all of hockey history for the outcome that came of it. You know, the guy won the cup and the con Smythe the very next year. Meanwhile, we finished near dead to last in the NHL. If I think it was, you know, we think we, think we did finish dead last in the NHL the next season. <laughs> so there's no questioning that it's, it's one of the worst trades in all of in, in the history of the NHL. Um, so to see Ryan Johnson perform at this level and how well he is, how smart he's played as Cully said, how strong of a skater he is, uh, his decision-making, um, that shot of his it's it, it's been very, uh, it really a, gl- a a nice uh, uh i'm i can't think of the right uh right word here but it's been really a, a you know a real glimmer of hope as far as you know what we've gotten back in that trade because tage thompson you know you know a lot is left to be determined with him you Wait, know you're telling me you don't like sabotka where is he? Where, where is Sabotka right that's now? My, I don't even remember who who was the other piece. Berglund, Berglund. He he packed you know Berglund. you know he packed his shit and left and you you know he you didn't want you didn't want to you didn't want to play for Buffalo anymore. That's almost as bad as the Bills player that left last year at halftime. Man, Von, uh, was it Vontae Davis? Was it Vontae Davis? Yeah, 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 yeah. He just did. He just dipped. He just dipped at halftime. I was like, yeah, I'm out. Yeah, <laughs> I'm good. That's it for me. He's like, I'm yeah. good. You know, speaking of which, they're smoking the Dolphins right now. Oh, I, I, I think it's like, what? I, we're recording this during the Bills game, and I haven't seen it at all. Real quick, Chris, are you? Uh, who's your NFL team? Uh, Chicago Bears. So I've had uh, a, a rough. They have an yeah. important day today too, right? They have, a, they have a chance. They have a chance. So yeah, but I grew up in Chicago and a lifelong Bears fan and long-suffering Bears fan. They haven't won a Super Bowl since I was one year old. So at least you won a Super Bowl, man. We, we trust you. As far as agony with fans go, we know. You know this. We don't even know how to react and how to feel right now as Bills fans because it's like we're not used to this. Like. It's been two decades. Well, our parents are used to getting this far and then losing four times in a row. Our That's generation right. hasn't seen any success. And, and we talked <laughs> last episode, Chris, that the Pagulas got it so right with their hires for the Bills, with McDermott and Bean, and they've done a great job. Where they've dropped the ball is their hires with the Sabres. Um, I got. I was fortunate enough to form a relationship with Kevin Adams. He um, he was the development coach. Uh, when I was, you know, I, I started skating with Felino, Cassian, Corey Tropp, um, and uh, Luke Adam um, at Leisure Rinks here in the, in the summer of my, my third year. And the only reason was is because Cassian was, you know, recommended because I'm a Buffalo guy. And Kevin Adams played an instrumental role in getting me to development camp, which was the highlight of my, my career, right? And I didn't sign yeah. or anything, but that's my hometown team. And I always liked him as a good guy. I never thought that he jumped to this level this quickly, but, um, you know, we, we gave him a hard time, Dwayne and I, right away. But like Dwayne alluded to, it, it, it's, not, it's not that I gave him a hard time, Cully. It's just like two years previous as he was coaching the Academy of Hockey. And then we see I all these players. We forgot he has, his kid was there, right? Oh well, yeah. Yeah. But everything else, and I'm nothing against Kevin Adams, but like if, as a fan and as a, criti- a fan, as critical as I have been, especially since last January, um, to see them just jump the gun. And it, it was such a kind of like a, questionable hire at first it's like well what qualifies him to be an NHL he's never been an assistant GM at the professional level the semi-professional level the you know at any level he's never been there you know why are why after everything you as an ownership group have done why am I expected to believe in this hire when you've gone through Tim Murray you've gone through Jason Botterill before that Darcy Regeer I know he was a you know you know yeah he's a layover 
And then all the coaches, why am I expected to believe that Kevin Adams is going to do a better job than all these guys? And the first initial reaction is like, well, he's going to be a yes, man. He, whatever ownership wants, he's going to say yes, because he's humbled. To, he's humbled to even be in this position to begin with. Now, now at looking at it all, the, the body of work so far, there are things to criticize, but there's more things to be positive about than there are to criticize. And that's what I wanted to ask Chris about the moves that he's made. I know we touched on some of the prospects that he's hoping to develop uh, between stall coming in and um, obviously the Taylor hall signing, Um, you know, where do you see, what do you like from the Sabres team? Obviously the divisional format this year. And I wanted to touch on that Dwayne, if that's okay. Uh, We were, me and Dwayne were talking about it. You have a really good Philly team, right? Um, I guess part one of the question I'll, I'll, I'll ask first with, uh, what have you thought about Kevin Adams move so far with this Sabres lineup? You know, I, I think that they've been fine. It's, you know, obviously landing Taylor Hall and, and getting an opportunity to, to, you know, give a, give Jack Eichel a running mate to, to really, you know, at his caliber, I, I think is important. And, uh, so I'm excited to see what that turns out like. You know, I think it, it'll be interesting to see what Eric Stahl has left in the tank. And, and certainly, you know, a new opportunity for him uh, very well could be energizing, you know, and the opportunity to play with Jeff Skinner again. And, and you know, I know they didn't play together much when they were with Carolina, but yeah, it sounds but to like give us an actual second line, right? Yeah, you know, it could. Yeah. And and, and so that's that's fair. You know, I thought that, uh, you know, that uh, obviously I was always interested in the draft. I thought, you know, I the, the Jack Quinn pick was not, you know, not the one that I would have made in that particular position but it wasn't far away from like I didn't think it was like a huge reach where it was like oh my gosh what are they doing um you know I had I did have like Marco Rossi and and Alexander Holtz ahead of him um you know but then that's just the kind of the way that the draft the draft goes and you you kind of go with uh um you know what what you like and what you think is right and and then obviously you have a second round pick as good as JJ Paterka and that's just kind of luck because nobody else picked him in there as you mentioned you know they were shocked that he was there and I, I was, I wasn't shocked, but I also was, you know, I, I thought that that was just a great way to start off you know, the second round for them. Yeah. Um, and a very interesting player that, that, that has what they need. I think you got two guys that have goal scoring ability that, you know, you can never have enough of that. And I think Jack Quinn is, has great potential uh, to be a high end scorer. And, you know, you can't find too many guys to score 52 goals in their draft year at the OHL level. So I think, well, you can, solid... you got goalies like me in that division. <laughs> so no, that no, is, but, that I mean, is you... actually true. But, yeah, well but... said. And <laughs> and I wanted to kind of piggyback <laughs> off your answer. I thug, yeah, oh, I know. Hey, but it's all good. Uh, when, I played in, Cali, I love it. when I played in Kingston to Foley was up there and Monaghan and they abused me as well. Uh, but my <laughs> question kind of piggybacking off of that um, sure. is, is who would you, if you mentioned the two um, and I know it's still early, right? Um, with, with their careers. And we're starting to see some of them at World Juniors. You mentioned that Jack Quinn obviously has the potential. I know Dwayne interviewed uh, his coach, Andre Tierney, um, but, you know, he, he, he gave a glowing review. I personally was leaning towards uh, a Perfetti if he was there, but um, you, you obviously... Well, uh, Chris, you obviously had, you know, insight and, and did a lot of research on this. Um, do you project Rossi and Holtz, you know, from what you've seen so far with them, starting their seasons overseas in the world juniors, you know, do you think that they're sorry, why would you have picked those two over? over well, I mean, Holtz, Holtz wasn't available because that was the pick right before, but those were the guys that okay, I had that's just right. Like right ahead of um, Quinn. Uh, the guy that I would have picked is Cole Perfetti. Um, and I think Cole Perfetti is um, highly an intelligent. He was number four on my board uh, or number five on my board. I, I almost put him ahead of Lucas Raymond. So he, he has, he has tremendous vision. He has, uh, you know, excellent hands, insane release on his shot. I mean, I, I want him to shoot more. I want him to shoot more. Um, but more selfish in the, in the, yeah, yeah. But he's a highly intelligent player. And I think that he's the kind of guy, he's such a shot pass threat and, you know, he can play down the middle, but I think he's much, you know, probably will end up being a wing. So we're seeing um, him play wing for Canada right now. Right. And I thought that was interesting. Right. Yeah. And I think that he's, I think that he's more like that. That would have been the pick that I personally would have made just based on best available, but that was on my board, you know? So uh, I think the team's got a little bit concerned about Perfetti's uh, skating ability, um, you know, where, where he wasn't exactly explosive and that combined with not being the biggest guy is a bit of a concern, but I think that of any player in that draft, any player, in that draft. I thought that he has the highest, the best hockey sense, thinks the game at the highest level, especially offensively. 
um, doesn't have the physical tools of Byfield or Raymond, you know, and, and, and uh, Stutzla, but he was in that, for me, he was in that mix of player with Raymond and Stutzla as, as a guy that could even sneak into the top three. Now, um, and I think we've seen him play at a, at a super high level um, at the, at, you know, at the world juniors, but at, in junior hockey as well. Um, that would have been the pick for me, but again, like Quinn was, I think, I think I had Quinn just uh, on my board. I'm trying to think, I'm pretty sure he was 11th or 12th on my board. Um, so I, I, you know, another guy that I was looking there, Anton Lundell was another guy that I had ahead of. So the guys that I did have ahead of him were Rossi, Lundell, uh, Askarov that ended up going, you know, yeah, and before I think him it's, it's or that after tricky, him. It's that tricky spot between, I know it's different each draft, but I want to say from like six to 20, right? Where a lot of teams boards differ and, and there's that second tier of elite prospects, right? And, and we've seen in years past certain picks like Pasternak really turn out in that meat of the first round, right? I know that's just right. one to mention, uh, but you've also seen a lot of misses and one that comes to mind for Sabres fans is Alex Nylander and, and it, uh, hurts, it hurts us, right? So I think it's, it's important to be able to hit on those picks. You want to have, you want to trust Kevin Adams there. Um, but kind of segueing away from the draft and Dwayne, me and you talked about this the other night um, with the division set up the way they are. Right. And, and you seeing that Buffalo needs to finish in the top four there. Um, is, is it possible? Um, what are they going to have to get through the way I look at it? You have Philly. I think they're an automatic playoff team, but besides them, we had a tough time. I think New York's got to be there too. Right. Mm-hmm. Who would you I, have Chris? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be tough. I mean, you know, I, I think it's just looking at, I got to pull up the, I got to pull up the, uh, the, the conferences now. Cause it's like, I've been full on world junior mode that I'm not even thinking about uh, <laughs> the conferences the as way. they are. Yeah. The but, so yeah. we have the um, Boston, Buffalo, New Jersey, New York Islanders, New York Rangers, Philly, Pittsburgh, Washington. Like you got some good teams in there. Yeah, you do. Um, yeah. I want to ask you this. Me and Dwayne talked about it, and Dwayne brought up the point that Boston with Marshawn, who is it? Marshawn and part no Bergeron and Pasternak no, are no, out. No, no, it's the, Pasternak's hurt. Correct. Sorry, Pasternak and Bergeron are out to yeah. start the year. You yeah, well, Marshawn's on the ice with them now. He is on the ice. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. I'm not sure to what capacity, but uh, I did read that he it has joined the team on the ice. And then you just lost Chara, who I understand he's lost. I understand he's lost a step, but but down below the dots in your own end, there aren't many defensemen that are better than Zidonia Charo, especially with that wingspan of his and the ability to work with a stick. Like that, that's going to hurt them, you know, especially when you slow the play down in your own end and you're, you're, you're pinned. Like you want a guy like Chara, you know, below the dots in front of your own net. Well, you lose your top two left, left side D-man, right? Like you got to hope that who does bought Did you know off the top of your head who Boston has in, in their, in their system? Who are they projecting to step in? Uh, well, I think Jeremy Lozon is in there uh, and he played quite a bit last season. And then I'm trying to think of uh, who else they have on the left side. Cause I think they're, I think, you know, they'll Grizzlick will be top, mm-hmm. probably the top carrying guy. Way, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, he's, it, he's going to play a, a substantial role ahead of where he was a year ago. And then you've got Lozon who you kind of have to hope is there. And I'm just going to pull up, I'm trying, I'm losing the, uh, the uh just trying to think of who that who no, they all have but yeah no no because i mean play story but that's but that's the issue is that you can't come up with it off the top of your head for one oh yeah john they have john moore okay like like that's there's a significant gap in what they had last year defensively than what they're going to have now you know, I think you're going to get a lot of minutes from McAvoy, obviously. You're going to have to play Carlo a ton. I think Connor Clifton is a good player who, you know, but those guys are all on your right side. You know, I think Grizzlick is a very good player. And, and you know, but can he handle the bigger minutes? Can he handle more situations? Do you In the condensed the schedule, you know? too. Yeah, exactly. So I think, that, I think the Bruins are certainly like, you know, but I think still up front, when they're, when they're at full strength, because Pasternak's not going to be out for the whole year. And, you know, Bergeron, it, he, he's always kind of had some more recently some injuries. They have Andre Kasha, who we'd expect to see improvement after an injury like season. Craig Smith, I thought, was a fantastic yeah. sign. Underrated. Underrated. They play. 
Yeah. So, I mean, like the Bruins have, the Bruins still have enough to make the playoffs. I think, you know, you wonder who between the, the Islanders and the Rangers, I don't know if both make it. I think the Rangers probably have a better shot. Um, you know, you have a full year of, of, uh, uh, of Panarin and, and then you got, you know, Adam Fox is a, a year more experienced. Roll off for you. Yeah. Yeah. You have Lafreniere. You figure Kako will be better because he couldn't really be a whole lot, you know, and I, I don't want to criticize him because he was so young. You know, I mean, coming over, not everybody can come over and dominate right away. And we saw that with Jack Hughes. Well, to the small ice too, right? Like that's a, yeah, exactly. It's a huge adjustment. Um, what huge I wanted adjustment. to ask you though, is, is for the Sabres, you know, looking at who they're competing against and that, you know, you got to think that they're going to be in that second tier, but fighting for that fourth spot. When I look at the Islanders though, they're so well coached. Um, can they get, can they get the same performance they've had? good goaltending the past two years with Leonard and Varlamov. Right. And I think a defensive team like that, you need goaltending yeah. games. My big thing here is, is teams like that with the condensed schedule that, that they like to ride that one goalie. And I know that they had Greece there, Grice there in years past. I don't know who was the second guy, but with teams like that in, in, in this condensed schedule, that's why I thought the Jake Allen pickup in Montreal was significant. And I know they're not in the Sabres division this year, but I think that makes a lot of sense when you're looking at, hey, how can we keep Carey Price fresh? Montreal struggled whenever their second goalies played, all right? Yep. And and that makes yep. a lot of sense to me. Um, but I think the Sabres, I guess my big question to Dwayne and you is, who are we going to be competing with for that spot? Because you like to think that Philly's going to be in the, in, the, in the mix. I know you cover New Jersey a little bit here, right? So, um, and then you throw Pittsburgh and Washington in the mix. Like, that's tough. I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not very high on Pittsburgh, to be honest with you. I'm not either. And, you know, they, but, I, but still it's hard to bet against them and especially in a shortened season, you know, if they can, I mean, if they keep everybody healthy and, and just to get back to the Islanders real quick, the, the second goalie for them is a bit of an unknown in terms of how he's going to translate, but it's Ilya Sorokin who played in the KHL last year. He's never had a save percentage below 930, I think in like the last six years not a big um, in the KHL. And you wonder how the transition goes, how, what's the split between him and Varlamov? Like how, how much is that going to actually be a thing? Um, and, and so, yeah, but I think that they're, I think that's one of the teams that they're competing with. I don't think Jersey has the, 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 the horses yet, you know, they're, they're going to be a little Still bit better, I think this away. year. Yeah. So, you know, I think, I think that, 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 you know, you're looking at, you're competing with the Rangers, you're competing with the Islanders, the Capitals are, 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 interesting like what are they going to look like Ilya Samsonov first year as a starter there he's a great goalie he's a great prospect and it's just a matter of you know now he's got to be the number one right away and then you you just kind of look at all these other different things that 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 they have but they're a little bit older a little bit slower um and and that's one of the things that I think is a concern yeah. yeah yeah you know I mean like you know they're they they were looking you know they added Chara you know that there's you know, there, there's just not, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sold on them, but you can't count them out because, you know, Ovi will probably score like 30 something in this short right. season. And they're two years away from winning and they got John yeah. Carlson back there. Who's an absolute horse. It, exactly. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it is, it is a tough hill to climb, tough hill to climb. Before, before I get into my, my next question, just want to announce here on two goalies, one Mike that Josh Allen just has broken the franchise record for most passing yards in a single season (laughs) previously held by drew blood so there's a name for you love to hear it i know you got i know we got to wrap it up here chris but Dwayne, i know you had a couple yeah uh just just, you know i know we just get you'll kind of try to break down this division but you know realistically where do you think buffalo stacks up in this because i personally i've been i i personally would like to see some more stability on the blue line um i know i was always big on travis hamannick trying to you know Bringing in a guy like him, who's really stay at home, you know, very, very good stay at home defenseman. Obviously, he only wanted to play in Western Canada, uh, you know, so because fit for family reasons. So that was out of the question. Sammy Vatnin, I believe, is still out there. Uh, just a you know, piece. I mean, I know we, you know, for as far as cap space goes, um, it's very difficult to fill, fit, fit a guy like that underneath your cap. But in a season where you have Hall for one season, as of right now, I know he's talked that he, you know, he likes what he's seen so far in Buffalo, and you know, he he makes it sound like he would want to stay here long term. But then you have Stall for one year. Right now, you only have Sam Reinhart for one year uh, for, for for the uh, RFA deal you signed him to. Where, like, you know, my opinion of it is 
why not just put push all your chips in the middle of the table in a season where contracts are coming dirt cheap? You already have these guys on one year deals. Why not just go for it all this year and really make a make a run at this? Um, but even without making a move like that, you know, where do you see this team stacked up in this division? Because I really think they do have a legitimate shot to fit finish in that third or fourth spot, uh, offensively at least, because they did add a ton of depth to their bottom six with that Cody Eakin, Tobias Reader signings. You know, you hope that Tage Thompson has, you know, can there can be some carryover for what he was doing uh, in the AHL before he got hurt. On he was performing well. I think one of the odd guys out in this in this lineup personally is Casey Middlestat. The guy came in three pounds lighter than what he yeah. did last season, which is baffling to me. When you see a kid like who's a year uh, a year uh, less uh, pro and Rasta Stalin come in sixteen pounds heavier muscle. He and looks like Drago. Have, yeah, Ivan Drago. I know. I'm sure everybody saw that picture of him playing freaking ping pong in the backyard. But the guy looks like Dr- Ivan Drago, and you know he's going to be an absolute beast. He's going to log at least I'd say five to six more minutes on our blue line this season. You know, and you have Casey Middlestat. Like you needs to get bigger. He's coming in lighter, and everybody knows muscles more dense than fat. So I mean, you can trim all the fat he may have had before, but you need to come in heavier. And I think he might be one of the odd guys out. But which I'm fine with because if he's going to be a depth guy, then that's fine. You know, I, I just think this bottom six has gotten a lot better. Um, the top six is dramatically better, especially now in practice right now. Sam Reinhardt's been put down on the second line, and you have Hall, I believe, with Olafson. I think it's Olafson up on the top line, which, I mean, you can't deny that release with Olafson shot. In, in, these, in these lineups that you're referring to is without – Eichel there. Eichel. I mean, yeah, Eichel's, Eichel was hurt, but like at the same time, that shouldn't change who's on his wings on that first line. You know, right? I, I think, yeah. Like, where, where do you think the Sabers sit? I think, I think they, I think they have an outside shot at fourth. You know, I think that, that the thing that I that concerns me is, you know, will the goaltending hold up? Yeah. Is it good enough? Uh, what is, you know, the scoring depth? I think is okay. Like I think that really the guy that interests me most in terms of who will be stepping up is Dylan Cousins. I mean, oh, he's yeah. got to be on, he's got to be on the roster. He's got to be on the roster. And then you've got Archie Rootsalainen who's been amazing in the finish league. Big fan of his start. Big fan. Yeah, so so you've got him and you, so you've got things there and I, and the other thing is, you know, you kind of mentioned some of the D that you could go out and get. I think you're going to see a better Rasmus Dahlin this year. I think you're going to be a, a better Henry Yokiharu this year. I think, and those, and those are guys that you want to have that are, you want them playing a lot. You want to play them in, in, in crucial minutes. And you, as much as you want to go in right now, as much as you want, you, like you're there and you have Taylor Hall, he's going to, he's not, a, he's a very smart hockey player. He is going to know that, Hey, if I sign here and we've got Dalene is, is popping off. We've got Yokiharu can be a top four guy. We've got, you know, all these other, you know, we've got Dylan Cousins is here. We've got our, you we know, have secondary scoring so now. you have those kinds of things. So it doesn't, you know, I think if the, if, if the Sabres don't make the playoffs this year, I don't think it's make or break in terms of, of, of adding Taylor Hall. It's just, you know, what, what is going to make He's sense long term for this organization? You know, what is going to make sense to with, with kind of some of the other salary situations that you have on the roster right now, obviously with the Skinner deal and all those other things that makes it challenging with the flat cap. But I think there are things that that can happen. So I think they're going to challenge. I think they're better than they were a year ago, much better than they were a year ago. I think Dylan Cousins is going to come in and hot, and I think he'll make a make an impact on the roster right away. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be like a Calder caliber season, but I think it's going to be a very important season for him. I, I, um, how have yeah. you not brought up Dylan Cousins even before this? <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, yeah. He's absolutely taking yeah, over that tournament. Like, why, like yeah. we must have a massive brave fire. That guy has absolutely – torn apart this entire tournament, you know, taking it's it by the tournament. In my opinion, is the MVP, even with Zegers, yeah. you know, the way he is. I, I think I'll, it depends on how they finished, Wayne. But one thing that's really impressed me, you and I talked about, I never realized his separation speed. We've seen him score maybe two breakaways now where in the neutral zone, it's an even foot race, and you've seen him pull on. away. Um, and granted, playing in the Western League, I didn't get to see him a lot. But, Chris, you made this point, too. I think the one thing the Sabres have been so easy to match up against in years past because of our depth or our lack of depth. 
And yeah. I think when you when you talk about the different moves, even whether it be like Roostalainen stepping in and having a good year, you throw Cousins in the mix. Now you're not relying on guys like Middlestat or um, Gergensen's to play bigger roles and, and or Tage Thompson to step up. So I think that that's what it makes it should be make us more scary to teams. And I just kind of want to know your opinion. Can that that bump in secondary scoring make up for our lack of goaltending stability? Because we've seen, especially last year's back-to-back nights, the Sabres goaltenders were both sub-900 save percentage. Yeah, I think I think it, it helps a lot. I mean, you know, just being, like you mentioned, just being a tougher matchup. And I think that's a big, big reason to go out and get an Eric Stahl, too, you know, and just say, hey, we've got, we've got a guy that's going to make you work you know, make the other team work. It's somebody that they have to pay attention to. And then I, you know, you hope that cousins takes a step and he's like, he's the same way. And if he's playing on the wing or he's playing center or whatever, it doesn't matter. You've got a guy that's going to, going to make an impact. And, you know, it's just a matter of, you got to make sure Victor Olofsson stays consistent. You got to make sure that Jack Eichel is getting the help that he needs. And then, you know, those are things that, that all matter. Um, I think Jack Eichel is a top 10 player in the league right now. I think that he's I, one of the absolute best. Um, he's, he is, uh, he is, he's, he's, outstanding for me. Um, and I think that he's only going to get better. And I think Taylor Hall is going to make him better. I think that just having somebody that's been to the top of the mountain as a heart trophy winner, somebody that's been, you know, a, a number one draft pick, you know, got, he understand they'll, they will speak the same language. I think that somebody that's, that's one lit, of the things. lit up Cully multiple times. And <laughs> yeah, Taylor Hall. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, no, so you've got, you mentioned the heart can, can, can Halsey help Eichel, get over, get to that level. And I think you answered it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think he can. I mean, I thought that Jack was close to that level last year. Yeah. At times. Um, and and he suffered that core injury. Yeah. He was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, and it's just keep him healthy. And he, you know, I mean, yeah, you're going to suffer a core injury when you're trying to put a team on your back all the time. So you got to just try and uh, try and make it better, but he's, he is, uh, he's exceptional. And I think that when you have a guy like that, he's going to drag everybody up um, yeah. with him. He's going to come on. And, and, but you have to have the talent to do that, right? You have to have the guys and they haven't had that. Now they do. So I think that I, I've never been more optimistic about the Sabres, you know, in the last decade, I would say, <laughs> but, and, and that's a good, that's a good thing. Hey, we'll it's just a matter it. of, yeah. You know, you, you take it from, yeah. Cause I mean, what, what else have you had to hold on to? Right. So, Nothing. you know, yeah. You know, so I'm excited to see, where they go. Um, there's a lot of wait and see guys, Russelainen, uh, you know, Thompson, Middlestat, Cousins, all those guys, what are they going to be this year? You might even be a little bit better than you expect if any of those guys or three of those guys are all of a sudden a much better player and it can contribute at the NHL level. Well, them fighting for the roster spots, we haven't had the competition yeah, with good players. Sense. We haven't. Our, our our depth has been so bad where the, the our bottom six, they know they're going to be in the lineup because the replacements aren't any good. And I think you bring up a great point. A guy like Rustalainen having the success he has early this season, I think he puts certain guys on their heels. And, and the best teams I ever played on, Chris, were the teams that had internal competition where your job wasn't safe because we're constantly getting pushed to be better. And I think the Sabres haven't had that. It's, it's going to be exciting to see. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so important. And yeah, and it, that way, and that helps you start the season on time. Obviously the Sabres have had good starts, but now they're going to have, have experienced. Some of these guys are going to have experienced some of the adversity in camp of the, of the, of the uncertainty of where that, where, what their role is, where they're going to play, who they get beat out. And uh, that only helps. It just get, makes you more competitive right from the outset. And I, I, I hope, you know, like, I think it's important for the Sabres to be good. It's important for the Sabres to be a good team in this league. And to, you know, I've been to Buffalo so many times over the last couple of years uh, for, for, for world juniors and combines and all this other stuff. And in frozen four, it's like this, this city deserves a team <laughs> that can actually compete here. So uh, Amen, my hope brother. for you guys is that it yeah. happens because yeah, it, uh, yeah. It, it, it's insane too. Like you, you look at how passionate these, this fan base is between both the Sabres and the Bills and it's they unreal. Yeah, on, honest to God, man, just wait till one of these two teams wins a championship because I think somebody's going to be sacrificed in downtown Buffalo. Well, sure like, enough, it'll <laughs> happen during the pandemic. Somebody's going to get seriously hurt because like, I remember, I remember when we were finally, we, we were, it was our first primetime Monday night game uh, for the Bills in like, like a decade we're playing the Cowboys and like a restaurant down in Orchard Park got burned to the ground. <laughs> and they, <laughs> because, they, 
just because they were winning, just because they were winning the game. They didn't even win the game, but they were winning. They were beating the, the, the Amer- America's team, the Cowboys. The bar, the bar oh, was gosh. low back then. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah. You know, and we like, I can't even imagine just how this city is going to lose its collective minds. If one of these teams can bring home a championship, you know, whether it's in yeah. downtown Buffalo or in Orchard Park, it's going to be absolutely insane. Um, and just like just piggybacking off just the improvement of the team, I would say even just puck, the, just the overall puck possession that we're going to, it was atrocious last season. Just we're going to possess the puck more often than not. I hope, at least I hope this season. Um, and just, you, you know, um, that's in itself is going to improve your goaltending because when you're pinned in your own end so often, five on five, yeah, your goaltending is going to suffer. But, you know, Linus Olmark last season, you know, I thought for, for, for me at least, I know Cully's not a big Olmark guy. I thought Olmark took massive strides compared to the, the year previous and trying to prove his worth in this league and to be a number one, at least a 1A. But is, um, does he have that ceiling? What's his ceiling? I think he's a good one B. I just don't think I'm not disagreeing. I, I hope I'm wrong, guys. I think, he's, I I think wrong. he's good enough to win. I definitely think he's good enough to win. Chris, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think I I think I lean more towards he's he's a good one B. I, I still don't think this team has a number one goalie. Um, I'm not. I will say, but Dwayne, I will say that I do think that he's good enough to to get you where you need to go. I mean, we've seen teams win with with less. With with yeah, with less for sure, for sure. Like you know, I mean, and there have been there have been goalies that you know kind of go in in ebbs and flows. I think Anti Niemi won a Stanley Cup, guys. Exactly, you know? exactly. I mean, like, and there's yeah, there's there's a lot. You know, I mean, you see Anton Hudobin carry a team to a to a Stanley Cup final. I mean, like, like it just Corey Crawford. Yeah, Corey Crawford hope was never it. spectacular, but he's got two cups, and before him, Anti Niemi. But you yeah, so. what do those teams all have in common, guys? They all had depth, and, yeah. and they all got product. Their best players were their best players. That's I'll why t- I've yeah. always been in favor. You don't pay goalies in, and this is a goalie podcast. You don't pay goalies the same amount of money. You don't pay Carey Price ten million dollars a year. You don't pay Bob ten million dollars a year. You know why? Because that handcuffs you so much more for paying the pieces that you need to win. Yeah, they can yeah. keep bucks out of that all you want, but if you can't score, then what the hell is the point of paying the guy? Amen. And I will say the one, the one area that I think is most important for the Sabres, and you mentioned the puck possession, it's, it's Brandon Montour, Rasmus Ristolainen, oh. Rasmus Dahlin, Henry Yokiharyu. Those are the guys that you have to, like, can you, can you move the puck? Can you get it up to these talented forwards? Can you get pucks out of the zone? Can you make, that is going to be the real question that has to be answered pretty early on in the season can you guys move the puck enough to this talented forward group? Because clearly that's, that's going to be the question that needs to be answered. I think they have enough talent. I do. I think they have a group that can do that. It's doing it consistently. It's not getting overwhelmed by the teams that they're playing against. And, and it's, and it's having the confidence in the group ahead of them to just dish off the puck and not have to try to do too much. So uh, I think that that's this forward group should give them more confidence to move pucks up ice and that things are good things are going to happen. So um, we'll see where that goes. But I think that's one of the, the remaining I, questions for the Sabres. And I, for, for me too, with Ristolainen and with respect to him, it, it, you know, I think he is going to have a better year just because Darlene's going to demand so many more minutes now, especially, you know, him coming in looking the way he is. I, you know, that, that's a difference between him and Casey Middlestat. Casey Middlestat, I, I, my opinion off the ice isn't putting the work in he needs to put in. Rasis Darlene. Let's hope you're wrong. Let's hope you're wrong. Bro. I hope I am wrong. I hope I am wrong. I, I'll never root against uh, one of our one of our guys. Like I was, I was dead wrong when the Bills drafted Josh Allen. I was happy to admit that I was dead wrong, along with a lot of other people here in Buffalo. But with Casey, it just doesn't seem like he's willing to put in the same work that other guys like Rasis Darlene were willing to put in. Even Ristolainen, you see his workout stuff on, on, on social media. The guy grinds in the offseason. For him, for me, with Ristolainen, it's just up here where he lacks. The decision-making, you know, not making the smart and easy play up the boards, high up the boards. Rather, I'm going to try and carry the puck out of the end because I think I am a flashy finished defenseman. And you know, get knocked off the puck or, you know, get my pocket picked for me. That's where we're at. But now he's playing, going to be playing less minutes because Dalian's going to demand more minutes. I think that's just going to help his game. 
I think it depends on who's around you too. I think that Darlene, like you said, probably tried to do too much on a bad team, right? Like the center for a while. I like, I like to say low and slow, but the center's got to be in a good spot. In today's game, you don't necessarily want to go glassing out, but I mean, you got to be, you got to have players around you to be good. And I hope that everybody takes that next step. I know we've kept you a little bit longer than we promised, Chris. Um, I, Dwayne, I had one last question before we wrapped up, if that's okay. I know that you wanted to ask him about the beach pro. Um, oh, if that's okay, Chris. Yeah, his comments on that are yeah. Um, really yeah, quick. Sure. Um, well, first off, just looking at your 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 hockey DB, um, former coach Iowa State hockey, couple clips for Iowa State hockey. Um, here we go. <laughs> um, but leading back into the World Juniors, just uh, what is your outlook? We got the semifinals um, tomorrow. Obviously, we're we're recording this on Sunday. It'll be dropping on Monday, the day of the semifinals in, in the morning. Um, what are your thoughts? You got USA, Finland, and then Canada, Russia, some great matchups. Finland obviously ended USA's tournament last year, I believe early, um, yep. and kind of been a thorn in the sides. And Hey, listen, go back to Rasmus Ristolainen's goal against to, to win the world juniors. Right. And I remember being, this is the fucking guy. Turns out he has <laughs> terrible boots. He can't transition. And that's the biggest goal of his life. No, but Finland for being the small country, it is. They've had a lot of success, and and they have just as many World Junior goals, I think, as Canada in the past six years, seven years. Yeah, I forget what the number is, but hey, like, yep. can't overlook them. Happy to see um, certain guys on USA get get going. Zegris is a stud. Um, can, I think it's going to come down to me. Can Spencer Knight be the guy? I've liked Dustin Wolf. I know we've been limited in seeing him, but uh, what is your thoughts, your predictions, and your outlook here for the rest of the World Juniors? Yeah, well, I think we got two great semis. I mean, obviously Finland and you, they're, they're, the, they're the top two teams in each group. I think that that's, you know, that's clear. Uh, I think Canada's going to have their hands full with Russia. I don't think they're going to lose. I think they're going to win. You know, I think that they have way too much depth and talent and speed. The issue is, is that uh, Russia has really good physicality. They, they, play, they play a very tight game. Um, they're good defensively. They, I, I don't know if they have the counterpunch ability of uh, like, you know, the U.S. has the counterpunch ability. Uh, they don't necessarily have as, as, as sound defensive structure as, as Russia does, but I think that's the collision course. So Canada, I, I think they'll beat Russia, the U S they're going to have their hands full with Finland last two years. That's the last game they lost. You know, they lost to Finland in the gold battle game two years ago. They lost in the quarterfinals last year. They've been tight games. I think the U S has the goaltending advantage. It probably will be Spencer Knight. Um, I think it, it, if they put either goalie in, they're going to have the goaltending advantage. Uh, unless they play Russia, where Askarov is the goaltending and the human goaltending. I wanted to ask you, can Askarov steal the game against Canada, right? Like, He's done it I before. Think, I think Larianov has done a really good job as a first-time world junior coach. I think in years past, the Russian teams that haven't done well, they were all over the place. They're emotional roller coaster, right? And I haven't noticed that as much. In their game against the U.S., right. they, they played their game plan. They, they got a few goals. They got to Spencer Knight early. And, and then, hey, let's be honest, even though the USA pushed back, I mean, Askarov made the saves he needed to make, and we didn't have a ton of great chances, right? Like, usually right. I'm used to the Russians giving up a ton on the back end, like coming back. But you're right. I, I think that's a great prediction. So you have USA, not to be treaded lightly against Finland, but hopefully a USA-Canada final, and that yeah, would, be, that would be, be a treat, man. Yeah, I think so. I think the U.S. is just a little too fast for, for Finland. I think that's been a, a key difference for them, um, and in the goaltending advantage as well. So, yeah, so I, I think it'll be a USA-Canada um, final. And I, I do, and I, just to answer your question, Askarov absolutely has the potential to steal steal game. He's stolen games against the best US U7, U18 team I've ever seen um, at the World Under-18s two years ago. He stole the uh, Helenka Gretzky Cup from Canada uh, two years ago where they were outshot 35 to 13 and they won three to two. Um, so, I mean, this is a guy that has that ability. He's done it before. He's looked really solid and sharp in this tournament. He's given up a couple of wonky goals, but mostly he's been great. I think that's um, a product of how he plays too. You're going to absolutely, deal with that for sure. The good is so good. Yeah, the good is just yeah. It's it's at a level that I I frankly haven't seen at this level. Um, you know, I think there have been some some outstanding goalies at the World Juniors, but Askarov at his age is probably the best. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I think you know he USA. played his way into a first round pick. And like <coughs> you said, here's the interesting part for me before I kick it to Dwayne. You talked about his success at the U-17s and the U-18s and the Linka, right? But yeah. the last international tournament was the World Juniors, which was last year, which is his worst worst tournament to date. And I think that that sticks in your mind no matter who you are. 
it's the mentally strong athletes, goaltenders that are able to start with that blank slate and just worry about that next save. Um, and, and like you said, he's a game changer, but will it be enough? Cause this Canada team is scary. And like Dwayne said, we might have an MVP case for Dylan cousins. Uh, I really appreciate the world junior talk uh, before, before Dwayne asks his last couple questions, guys, be sure to check Chris out on Twitter at Chris M Peters. Um, you know, he's, he's going to be, I really can't wait to see what's next for you, man, because you've done such a great job and, and, and your work is awesome. So check out his stuff on ESPN for right now and, and tune in to see what's next. Sorry, Dwayne, what do you got? No, just, uh, obviously we touched on it pre-show, but I was really digging that article you dropped recently on beach hockey. Uh, it just really took me yeah, back get out, the folks. emotions flow because I used to love watching beach hockey and I was so angry when they, uh, when they, uh, you know, the, the league folded with rightfully so, you know, the points you made in your article, like they were playing like three, three games a day, some of these teams yep. in like in extreme hot conditions. And not to mention on a black surface, which wasn't making the, yeah. Wait, did they have the were they the ones the ramp? Yes, the ramp the behind the nuts. Yeah, they had oh, the ramps. Yeah. Hey, hold on, really bring quick. that back, but just do it better. Honest to God, I, I think it would succeed if you brought it back and, and you kind of like, I'm not saying like the XFL, but look how successful the XFL did during a pandemic, back, you know, you know, you know, obviously I hope with the rock buying them uh, that, that with him being owner, he, he, he can continue the trend that was started because it was like almost a cult following with the XFL. I'm not saying the beach hockey could be the same thing, but like, if you publicize it the right way and you market it the right way, it could be successful in my opinion. Dwayne, yeah, hey, real quick, I, Chris, your, yeah. your sentence at the end of your, at the end of your lead says it all Dwayne, but for three seasons from 98 to 2000 pro beach hockey was very real and it was glorious. Sorry. I had. To <laughs> yeah, it was, it was glorious. And you know what the, the, the thing that I learned, there's a lot of things I learned coming out of that, but I mean, obviously I was a, you know, a child of the nineties and, and, and eighties and nineties. And, and so this league was like when I was eighth grade going into high school is when it started. So it was like a huge deal to me. And so it was great to just to kind of learn the stories. You know, one of my favorite anecdotes from there is that, you know, the, the players would get ready under the stands no way. And, the, and, and, and they were bleachers. And so they had, they were open on the bottom. So like they were getting like, Sands was like raining beer. down somebody spills a drink yeah. everything like so and and there weren't t- they didn't sell tickets that people just could walk up from the beach and go watch a That's hockey so game cool. yeah. and so and so the, but the thing is the business model was really 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 smart because they they had they played only on weekends they would just put it there and it was basically made for tv so basically they're like hey we have we have x amount of programming on espn2 that was great for, for advertisers. So they had huge, you know, advertising banners on the, on the surface, on the boards, all that stuff. And so they were able to, to monetize it. So they made money. The players didn't make a lot, but they also, they were put up in the hotels. They had their meals comped at the local canteens there. Yeah. And and, and most of those guys were just trying to stay in shape. A lot of them played pro. Um, Such a cardio man. You got to have good lungs to play in that. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you look at some of these, some and literally some of the guys that they signed for that league. I'm not even joking. They they found playing on the beaches in California where they were just playing on the blacktop. They're like, "Hey, you are pretty good. Don't you want to come play in this league?" And that I, happened. God, I if I if I kept playing street hockey and didn't like you know start, fo- I could have played beach because I was. <laughs> Stellar in the nets in the streets of Western New York. Nobody could put the ball by me. I don't give a shit who you were. I, I was stellar. It. I love it. No, Chris, your your article, guys. If you haven't check it out, it is awesome. Yeah, I it's pinned to my Twitter. It, so. Like you said, <laughs> beach bums lining the bleachers, the Laker girls on the sideline. Like yep. man, like that is so cool. I still remember just seeing clips. I was like eight, nine years old at the time, and, and here you have these ramps at the end, and guys on the breakout, they just wheel up, get some speed, get going. Just really cool stuff. Uh, and, yeah. and you mentioned I didn't realize the the tidbit about the bleachers. Hey, Jonesy, you're going out for warm up. You got popcorn on on your jersey here bud like, yeah awesome. <laughs> exactly so yeah, do you I mean, know, they, does it go into why i didn't finish the article does it go into why like was it a money thing what what, what ended up happening so so basically like I, I mean the way it was explained to me is is essentially like you know it was it was program filling programming filler for espn2 that's kind of what it was sold as and um i think basically what ended up happening is like you know the ratings were good but not like great and this is at a time where there were fewer cable channels so there wasn't as much competition so the threshold for success was so much higher than it is right now 
everybody wants programming. Everybody wants tonnage now. So it, it basically, essentially, ESPN said we don't have the space for it anymore well, they by, got in our program. Well, well, they do now. Network and, and, instead of instead of running the same episode well, that that's tonight so, 15 times in a row, run a beach hockey game. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that well, that's a great idea because I mean, you know, we're gonna have this three on three league that's supposed to be coming in like next year at some point. That's not it's ice hockey, but they're doing yeah, three on I've three. Seen it. They've done some tours. And, Is it the same one that's done yeah. some tours in Ontario? Yeah, I believe so. And so I remember like, they were recruiting that, some if, OHL guys for that, Chris. Yeah, yeah. If they work, if it works. Like that could be an interesting kind of thing. I don't know if it will. I, they need to kind of get, you know, there's a lot to be figured out there, but, but I think that, you know, pro beach hockey can rise again. I do believe it. I believe I'll, it I'll start the, official, I'll start the yeah. petition. Me and Chris. I've had so many emails. Like I will. Yeah. I think there's enough people out there that want it back. And you know, like the players only made like a couple hundred bucks or some, some of the guys made a couple thousand bucks over the summer. You don't even have to be professional hockey players. Just find I'll, some really good like roller <laughs> hockey players. Hey. There's so Chucky many here in Buffalo that would do it. You get Chucky Slick as the poster boy for the league. You get, you get. I'm sure guys will come from the woodworks. I'll be, I'll, I'll nominate or I'll volunteer my time as a coach. Oh, 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 Barber, let's see what he does. With I don't care. Dwayne, <laughs> Dwayne is the guy to start this up. Let's and Chris, with it. I, I'm so, I'm so about this, man. I loved beach I'm hockey. <laughs> so Ready about this. If you want to, if you, if you want to lead the charge with me, Chris, let's, let's fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, sure. Why not? I got time now. So, <laughs> hey, if, yeah. sure enough. Hey, you, you might not. You never know what's next. But sure enough, we look back at a couple of years. Chris Peters, commissioner of the new and super <laughs> exciting, successful uh, roller hockey, roller beach hockey. <laughs> what a what a reality that would be no but yeah, hey, let's do it great piece i'm in uh, espn um i'm a big fan of long-form journalism and and chris's pieces and, and like i told you off air man you have this way of bringing people into the story emotionally but providing some great you know not only just examples and stories but and your in your draft analysis and your prospect stuff your understanding of the game and your ability to explain it to not just you know the you know the hockey knowledge you know geniuses but the average fan is incredible i i've been following your work since i think i, I think i started following you at some sanaya Sapergi's advice uh back back in 2009 10 and i yeah. thought hey, you've been great man and i Thanks, really buddy. really look forward to seeing what's next for you you've got so much talent you're everything that's that's right with with hockey journalism so i know you land on your feet and, and do a great role and let's just hope it's as uh president and commissioner of the role of Utah. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I can do it, man. I'm so ready. Like yeah. I, I'm not kidding. Like I am no, so Dwayne's ready. 100% serious like, about I'm on fully right? on board. I'm six to midnight right now. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, you guys are sending me off on a, on a high note here, so I like it. I'm I'm ready to go now too. So yeah, but Cully and Dwayne, this is awesome, man. Thanks, they, thanks, thanks a lot for having me. It was uh, really great to chat with you guys. And oh man, I yeah. Let's hope for brighter days in 2021, huh? Yeah, 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 and we can't wait to have you back on. Really, really, I know that you have a ton of stuff going on, but we really appreciate the extra time. I know our fans will. So, um, Dwayne, I, I mean, that's it for me. Big I'm, thanks I'm, to Chris I'm, Peters. Find him on Twitter at Chris M. Peters uh, and check out all his work because it's been great. And um, here's to a big USA hope for a big USA Canada gold medal game. Sounds good, guys. Thanks. Thanks again. Chris Peters, everybody. This has been part two of episode 43 of Two Goalies, One Mike. Dwayne is six to midnight right now over the the new beach hockey league he's starting. So please keep your eyes out for that because it's going to be coming in hot from Dwayne. So Dwayne, great, great couple interviews here, man. That was probably my two favorites since I can remember. But um, both Dave and Chris knocked it out of the park, bro. Um, So we'll be dropping these on the day of uh, on the Monday. And uh, really awesome job getting these awesome guests, Dwayne. Thanks, man. Like I said, uh, you know, I'm always down to interview anybody in the hockey world, especially somebody as passionate about beach hockey as me. So I love it. All right. That, this is it for episode 43, part two. We'll see you next week. Two goalies, one mic.
blues Won't you tell me something true I believe in you Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.